0: ¡Los luchadores! La arena estaba de bote en bote, la gente loca de la emoción, en el ring luchaban los cuatro rudos, ídolos del aficio. La arena estaba de bote en bote, la gente loca de la emoción, en el ring luchaban los cuatro rudos, ídolos del afición. el santo, el Cavernario, de demonio. Mete Hey, okay,
1: welcome everyone to Lucha Classica, episode number 7. I'm your host, Alfredo Esparza, and this week we are going to – well, AAA has been celebrating the 25th anniversary this throughout the year. They're, it's going to wind down in Triple Mania 25, which is – they've already set up their big main event. We don't know what else is going to happen. We actually don't even know if the main event's going to happen at this point either. So, uh, But they've been celebrating it. Other than Cibernetico not wanting to be part of this, okay. I feel the rest of us do want to be a part of it, and here at Lucha World – we decided to talk about, initially, I was going to talk about, we were going to talk about the first year, then I was telling this week's guest, Steve Dr. Lucia Sims, that I then noticed we had a, there was a lot of information, a lot was going on during that time with AAA, I think I dwindled it down from one year to six months, then from six months to three months, and then I realized, you know, we could actually do a very good podcast episode just on the very formation of AAA. And the first month of its existence. So, let me, without any further ado, let me introduce this week's guest, Steve Doctor Lucchese. How are you doing, Steve?
2: I am doing, I'm doing fine, Fredo. And I think you're correct because I would say of the, of all the, if you were to like put in in a measuring cup all the news of AAA from its first six to nine months, the 99, well not 99, 90% of it was the formation yeah so yeah we're going we're going over the fun stuff and the juicy stuff and the the newsy stuff, yeah because I think right afterwards' the okay. most
1: it was mostly guys like you know guys joining the promotion or or you know like they were finding new young talent like Ray Mysterio later on and you know all that, which is great, but I think also it also i think as you go along you start realizing that it was affecting the other you know c m l l and UWA and all these other places that were having a, having to deal with um, AAA growing as it went along, but yeah, we wanted to focus on the first month because I not only the first month but the formation because I think that's really interesting because that's something that uh, it's a lot of what's happening right now you could pretty much compare slightly to what's uh, what happened back then because the formation of AAA actually didn't just happen within weeks you know it actually had some time. Like I guess they were pretty much there was some there was some uneasiness within CML at the time. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, uh, what was what was the state of Lucha Libre at that point prior well, to the promotion starting?
2: If, if I can take like thirty seconds to set up where we are is the, the AAA's first show was in May of ninety two, and I'm going to bring us from nineteen eighty seven to to January first of ninety two in about thirty seconds. EMLL was was the big promotion in Mexico City? UWA had part of of Nacalpan and other Mexico State, and they were both great guns. Huge promotions in 1987, and in 1987, both of their CEOs died: Salvador Lutheroff and and um, Francisco Flores. UWA fell greatly, and CMLL fell a little bit with with the Suns taking over. But in 1988, um, Chavo Luthorov, Salvador's son, hired Antonio Pena, who was promoting um, shows on very small arenas around Mexico City, like Arena Apatlaco and, and other small arenas, to join them and help them in the front office. Pena had an in with some guys at Televisa and convinced Televisa to broadcast Lucha Libre starting again um, after a 23-year, a, a 33-year Absence. He, he, he got the Televisa in 89 to start broadcasting CMLL. Um, UWA tried to catch up but never really caught up. They just didn't have the management that CMLL did. CMLL had a lot of good talent and they had Pena, who was designing new characters like minis, new gimmicks, all sorts of things. And CMLL went on an enormous boom in 1990 and 1991 with. The the guys who were on TV, like Conan and Octagon and um, Atlantis and Moscow Sagrada being just huge stars, Roger Jalisco being huge stars, major sellouts, tons and tons of business. um, And everybody else who wasn't the CMLL got really upset. So the wrestlers union decided to strike against TV in late 1991. And at that point, Pena in September of 91, when the wrestlers went on strike, saw that. The the end result was going to be whoever had the TV was going to be a big success, and whoever was off TV was going to lose. And he began to make preparations very quietly on his own. And prepar- by preparations, I mean sewing up arena deals with arenas around the country, not in Mexico City, in preparation for eventually starting his own promotion. And by January 1st, he had started contacting people like Conan and people that um, would be stars of his, like La Park, but weren't in CMLL yet, and and feeling them out on what would happen if he started promoting on his own. So that's how we got to. Um, that that was what the field was like in early 1992. CMLL was on TV and big. UWA was not on TV except on rare occasions, and it was it was fading. And Pena was planning very quietly to start. Uh, promoting on his own.
1: Yeah, so so uh, what was the situation like between the union? Was it basically just the TV overexposure that the wrestlers didn't want? They thought that was going to cause them to
2: lose money? Sorry, that took more than 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was down there. I was down there during yeah. the strike. I was down there myself personally during the strike, and I got to interview the Guerreros and some other people about it, and there were clicks. The people who were in CMLL really thought that their um, that that their business was so good, and business was uh, they had created so many new stars that they weren't concerned greatly about um, the wrestler strike. They thought that even though guys, you know, they were having to to scramble to put together TV tapings and moving them to smaller arenas and, and trying anything to get um, TV shows on they figured they had the finances, they had the offer of employment, they had the arena sewn up, that they would eventually outlast the wrestlers and the wrestlers' union um, just just by just by being the, the bigger power of the two that were at war with each other. The wrestlers' union back then was headed by a guy named Monty Guzman, who was a labor guy, and Dos Caras, who was a wrestling guy. And it was just, this shady side of being a sham. Yeah. They helped wrestlers, but barely. And the most frequent complaint, I mean, and people would go public like Bismarck and Perro Aguayo, in the magazines, that the, they were hurt. And what they thought their union dues were going for was to help them recuperate or get treatments and stuff, and it, it wasn't happening. And so... Um, Paco and CMLL, and I think Pena as well figured that the, the wrestlers union was going to lose because they 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 were the smaller power and they didn't have the moral high ground. Yeah, so so
1: so that was really the big issue within the wrestlers uh,
2: going on with the wrestlers. Uh, what was Pena's relationship? Well, they had they did have one they did have one statement that they made which turned out to be true, and we knew it was true in the in the Observer and other world at the start. Uh-huh. They said. National TV is going to favor the people who are on TV. It's going to reduce the number of wrestlers, and it's going to reduce the number of promotions, which it did. Yeah. And, and it's going to heavily, heavily benefit those who have the TV. Pena knew this when he, when he um, started his deal with um, um, feeling people out for, AAA, for making AAA, it was being, you're going to be, I'm going to make sure we have a TV slot and you're going to be on TV, and you're going to be one of the survivors, not one of the, the people that are left behind, still making money, but having to work like the indies do today, yeah. flying all over the world to make your money, flying all yeah. over Mexico to make money.
0: Hope everyone enjoyed that free preview of Lucha Classica Episode 7. The entire episode is about 100 minutes. You can sign up for 2.95 per month at podbean.luchaworld.com, Or become a patron for Lucha World at patreon.com slash luchaworld, where we have three reward options of $1, $3, or $5. The Lucha Classica podcast is available as a $3 reward. The rest of this episode covers tons more on AAA and how Antonio Pena, Conan, Octagon, and several others split from CMLL. Dr. Lucha gives a ton of insight into Pena's decisions, as well as shares some stories on some of the big names of that era who joined AAA and even some who decided not to. Plus, you hear stories on the creation of the Volador and La Parca characters, Conan's rap album, the AAA press conference, the very first show that happened in Veracruz. Hijo del Santos' own deal with AAA, the Casas family, and so much more. Uh, We had a great time doing the podcast, and we hope everyone enjoys it. And because I don't want anyone to feel left out, I will include in this free preview thirty seconds of Conan rapping. Thanks again for listening to this Lucha Classic of free preview. So long. trago mi compa camino hasta ella, me el espacio, mejor me regreso, por pues eso trago el sol. la veo excitada, su cuerpo acomoda el DJ tocaba la rola de moda